When I started this podcast a few months back, I did so with very little confidence that it would ever see an episode 10. Now that I've seen how much fun it is, I cannot imagine not doing Project Challenge with my oldest friend, Eric G. Hollis. Beginning with this episode, Project Challenge will begin releasing episodes weekly, and this is a much reminder to my future self as it is to the growing number of people that actually pay attention to our little show. We'd like to dedicate this episode to all of the amazing mothers in our lives. Jeannie, Gail, Denise, Heather, Melinda, Paige, Amy, April, and Taylor. We owe more to those first two in particular than a thousand episodes could ever articulate. Finally, thanks to Ryan for allowing us to showcase his amazing work in our lead-in this week. Check the show notes for the link to his SoundCloud, and be prepared to have your collective balls blown clean the fuck off. This is Project Challenged with your hosts, Doug, Granddaddy D, Lund, and Eric, the original fucking G, Hollis. We're going to jump straight into our Challenger chugging segment tonight. Eric, what the fuck are you drinking? Well, Doug, I'm drinking Citra Pale Ale by Upslope Brewing Company right here in Colorado. In fact, they're based out of Boulder. I like a lot of their beers. I was excited to see this. One thing I like about Upslope, Doug... The ingredients are right on the side of the can. Snowmelt, malt, citra hops, and yeast. That's what this beer is made out of. And uh, Upslope is great. Probably give this a four out of five. Wow. I really like it a lot. First of all, pretty fucking ballsy by Upslope to put their secret ingredients right there on the can where anyone can copy them. I mean, what are they thinking? It's a 5.8 ABV. I don't think this can has IBUs on it though, Doug. Well, they couldn't fit the recipe and the IBUs on there, I guess. It does say floral, juicy, and brilliant. And that's pretty much how it tastes. Floral, juicy, and brilliant. I'm down with Upslope. I can't remember their other beer that I really like, but it's in the yellow can. It's delicious. I'm sure I've had it at your house. It's called the Craft Lager. Thank you very much. So that's the reason I picked this out. If I'm going to branch out, I'm going to go with breweries that I like. I did it with uh, with Galaxy last week, and I'm doing it this week with Upslope. Ah, I like that. A tempered, one might say cautious, approach to expanding one's palate. You got to support the breweries that make the stuff that you like, right? Oh, no, I agree with you. Absolutely. That means we should start talking to Upslope next and see if we can uh, get their brewmaster to sit down with us and tell us about his brilliant, floral, and juicy. I fucked that up. What, what are the three again? <laughs> You had the right three. You you were a little out of order, but I mean, come on. I'm not docking you points for that. <laughs> I think it still landed, Doug. You shouldn't even have called attention to it. No one would have known. All right. What are you drinking tonight there, uh, Douglas? I'm rolling the dice with this one because uh, I actually brought a couple beers home from work because I knew I wasn't going to have time to stop and we keep a pretty well-stocked fridge. So thank you, work, for donating to the cause tonight. But the girl there, Kim, that picks up our beer, she's got really good taste, but she likes to make sure that everyone's got something to drink. Her and I both love IPAs, and then she'll just grab like something dark and then usually like some Bud Light or something for, uh, for people that hate themselves. This one's called Snowcat Coffee Stout. It's by the Crazy Mountain Brewing Company, 
Where's Crazy Mountain? Right here in beautiful Colorado? It is. Brewed and packaged by Crazy Mountain Brewing Company. It says Edwards and Denver, Colorado. Maybe they have two breweries? I don't know what Edwards is. First I thought it was a street, but maybe that's another town where they have another brewery. I don't fucking know. But this is a coffee stout, and I haven't even tasted it yet, so I'll get to that part next. This one's a 5.9 alcohol by volume, a 57 IBU. Isn't that high for a stout? I would have thought that would have been lower, because stouts tend to be a little maltier than hoppier. But it's got a new stat on it that we hadn't seen before called SRM. I've already fucking forgot what it stands for, but I think it was pretty boring, like the standard reference method or something like that. (laughs) That's what it was, right? Yeah. Which measures the color of the beer. This has got a 50 rating. So whatever color this is, I'm guessing it's brown (laughs) since it's a porter. But yeah, the 50 SRM. That's kind of neat. I'm going to be looking out for that stat on the beers that we do going forward. Here's the important part. How does it taste? It tastes like a coffee stout. So breakfast beer? Definitely a breakfast beer. An ale brewed with coffee. Very straightforward. I can have one or two of those. Breakfast beers aren't bad. No, and this one is... The coffee's really up front, so you got to be ready to go with that flavor. I think I prefer a little more subtle note. It actually tastes more like coffee than it does like beer. Like, this tastes like something that you would get from Starbucks, but without any kind of sweetener or unicorns in it. Not bad, but I'm going to give it a three. Wow, is that our first three? No. You've given threes before. <laughs> yeah, I have. I should note, it's not going to prevent me from drinking it. It's still very drinkable, really smooth. Not something I would enjoy outside the context of this show, but three's still good. That's like 60%. That's passing, right? I'm sure the people that made that beer love you saying it's not something you'd enjoy if you you know you didn't have to drink it. Oh, dude, you're going to drink plenty of fucking beers that you won't drink anywhere but Project Challenge. So it's actually surprising that I'm the first one that said that. No, it is. You know what this beer reminds me of, though, Eric? It reminds me of my first beer. <laughs> No, it doesn't. (laughs) No, no, it doesn't. But I couldn't think of... Because I'm pretty sure I was with you, was I I not? I couldn't think of a better transition to our new segment. That was a beautiful transition, though. (laughs) I shouldn't have called you out on it, but once we tell the story that I'm pretty sure you're about to tell, or that I'm about to tell, they'll know that you were a liar, because there's no way a coffee stout tastes like your first beer. No, it doesn't, because coffee stouts didn't exist when I had my first beer. We were deprived as children. We were deprived of beer? (laughs) Well... (laughs) When we should have been studying? (laughs) It's kind of remarkable, given what was available to us at the time that we ever developed a taste for it, after our first few experiences. I didn't drink beer at all in high school. You know, I really didn't either. That's a good point. It actually wasn't until after college that I really started getting into beer. Sam Adams. I'm sure we have a similar story. That's what turned the tide for oh, me. Oh, God, yes. It, it opened my eyes to what beer could taste like. And I don't even drink it anymore. This is a segment that I hope becomes a staple of our show and getting to hear maybe not someone's first beer because I have to believe that not everyone remembers the very first beer that they ever drank, but maybe we get their earliest beer memory and hopefully it'll be a good story. Mine's an all right story. I'm actually really pleased to hear you comment that you knew where I was going with this because... It is the first beer that I remember drinking. I do know that I lived in El Paso, Texas, where you also lived, uh, where we met each other, as a matter of fact. And if I recall correctly, my deviant sisters were having a party while my parents were out of town. 
And that was the night that Doug consumed his first beer. And see, I was not with you that night. I don't think you were. I don't think you had your first beer with me, but I'm positive I had my first beer with you. Yeah, like I said, I was just impressed that... From the same party. (laughs) I'm just pretty sure, like, it was the next day or... Anyway, you had beers for us. You had a beer apiece for us, and we drank them in your basement. And they tasted like shit. And they were piss warm. (laughs) Because I'd been hiding them under my bed. (laughs) Yes, you had been. I don't remember getting a buzz. I just remember it tasting really bad, but I remember if I wasted it, you'd probably be pissed at me. So I I drank the whole thing. Because, I mean, scoring beers in fifth grade, I mean, not only is that deviant as shit, but, like, that's pretty hard. Like, I mean, maybe not nowadays, but who are we going to be getting beers from in fifth grade? I mean, did we even want beers? I don't think so. I think we were taking advantage of a situation, and I knew that even if I got caught by my sisters, it's not like they were going to rat me out for stealing a beer that they were fucking not supposed to have to begin with. So it was was win-win. I would have gotten a shitload of trouble. Oh, my God, yes. You know what's funny about that? Didn't your dad have to get involved at some point that weekend with something that happened because he was the closest doctor? You know what? Maybe... In a couple weeks, when he's in town recording BitFaced, we can ask him about that. We might go down some roads on that episode, dude, that you and I don't want to tread. Yeah, I know. I'm a little afraid So maybe we keep it to music. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, Eric, for what it's worth, I'm sorry that the first beer that you got to drink was piss warm and tasted like shit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the classic white can Budweiser. Oh, God. OG Budweiser? Yeah. Yeah, and again, it's because, what, this is uh, 87? 86? Mm-hmm. And what kind of fucking selection was there? How fucking depressing is that to think about? Like, you walk into a liquor store, and it's like, well, you want Bud? Bud Light? Coors? Coors Light? Or Miller? Back before it was a banquet beer. That was it, right? Mm. It's fucking depressing. So no one was micro-brewing back then, like even in other countries? I'm sure there were people micro-brewing. Charlie Papazian, who started the American Home Brewers Association and the Brewers Association, he got started in like the 70s, but it was on such a small scale that they weren't distributing. So even if they were doing it, we weren't fucking drinking it because it never made it outside of like a five-mile radius of, of what they were doing. Plus the laws back then prevented all kinds of uh, even interstate export it's something that they actually fight to this day like you can't drop a beer legally in the mail and ship it to another state which is fucking ridiculous if you think about it well thank you for mailing me all those beers in uh in college i don't know what you're talking about that never happened (laughs) (laughs) yeah and even there it shows you the evolution like you can get fat tire at any bar in america now yeah right right fat tire indeed i mean it's everywhere and that was such a precious commodity to me before they had it in Georgia, what, 10 years ago? That, yeah, it was worth it to, to get your buddy when he beat him in fantasy football. Hey, screw sending me money. Would you send me some fat tires? That would be sweet. Is that how that went down? I'm glad you remember shit like that because for some reason. Wasn't it a fantasy football? It was a bet we made and I won the bet and you're like, hey, instead of uh, me paying you, because it was your idea. I just made it sound like it was my idea before, but it was definitely your idea. You were like, instead of sending you whatever or doing whatever, can I just send you some fat tire? And I said, certainly. And it was delicious. It was packed beautifully by whoever you had pack it. I packed it. You're good at packing, Doug. <laughs> what, 
It's not the first time I've heard that. What, what do you mean had someone packed it? Like I have people, I have packers. I was just trying to get you off the hook. Like that, you know, maybe you just bought this from a, a warehouse that sends bootleg beers to people. Oh God, no. And then I went and like really incriminated myself, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder what the statute of limitations is for shipping beer. Cause God, that had to have been what? Seven, eight, maybe more years ago. It was back when we were still having regular poker games at my house. That isn't give me any kind of context well the wet geek days oh god yeah so that is seven eight years it was delicious and thank you but anyway the idea for your segment was when we have people on like cody crump for example we would ask him to tell us about his first beer i think it could be something that we really enjoy it's either going to be really awesome or we're just going to have a lot of awkward conversations with people or this is the last episode you'll hear it in. <laughs> no, I mean, we had to get ours out of the way just to see how this one plays. And uh, we'll do a few more. We'll see what kind of stories we hear. And if it plays, we keep it. And if not, it goes in the bit bucket. The bit bucket or the challenge trough? I can see why you might think I, I fucked that up there. But the bit bucket is actually a term in the world that I live and work in. The shady world of the internet, which um, if it's all right, I'd like to take a moment to talk about. Yeah. The bit bucket is when a packet gets discarded, like if you send traffic to a firewall and it's like, uh, nope, your traffic doesn't match my access policies, it sends it to the bit bucket. It's where packets go to die. I like that term. Really bad bits. I can see why it would appeal to you. I bet you find all kinds of interesting uses for it that are a lot more interesting than the stuff that I'm about to talk about. But you're concerned, right, Doug? This next part you're going to talk about. This is because you really care about people, right? It, it is, and it's because I'm I'm tired of seeing people get fucked over. Um, I'm tired of seeing people lose their jobs. I'm tired of seeing small business owners lose their businesses and their livelihoods and their houses and their life savings because uh, of a few simple things that they might do differently. And I got to thinking that maybe people just don't fucking know. I, again, live and breathe this stuff, but... I think the average Joe might not be paying attention to the shit that, you know, is flashing across the bottom of the news screen about the latest hacks or exploits. So I just wanted to get this stuff out in front of people and, and remind them that, you know, there's a few simple things that you can do that can make a big fucking difference in your life and, and maybe potentially save you from catastrophe. I don't know. There are some really nasty exploits going around right now that have been crafted to look like either a Google Doc link or a Word doc that's actually attached to your email. This one's fucking tricky because you and I, like, in an average week or two, like, how many documents do you get in an email attachment? A lot. Yeah, we, we all do. And the hard part is, you know, when something looks like something that you're used to clicking, you just fucking do it and you don't even think about it. And the really tricky part is that people can so easily get a hold of your address book these days. I mean, how many times have you got an email from uh, someone that you know because their account got hacked and they got access to their address book and just started blasting out shit to everyone in the contact list? It happens a lot more frequently than I would like. Right. And it, it doesn't make a difference whose it is. It, it could be a coworker. It could be your parents. It could be your sister, a friend, whatever. How many fucking Facebook friends do you have at this point? I don't know, like 800? So that's 800 different vectors that can be used against you to get you to click on something that probably shouldn't be clicking on. And this shit's bad. Again, it looks like a Word document or a fucking a Google Doc. You click on it, and it may not even look like it did anything, but at that point forward, your shit's compromised, and everything that you type into your computer is being recorded and sent somewhere, which these days usually means your password to your other shit, and once they have access to that, then you're fucking done. Your bank account's empty. (laughs) Your identity is stolen. I shouldn't laugh about it. It's not fucking funny. It's tragic, really, and again, it's the whole reason that I'm talking about it today, so 
fucking pay attention. If I get an email from Eric Hollis, I'm looking at the email address to make sure it's the exact one that I know and not some variant of it or even a new email address that looks slightly different. Fucking pay attention. That's rule number one. You hear all the time on the news, a place got hacked. No. Hacking's a fucking misnomer. Hacking implies that there's an army of people that are sitting there with keyboards trying to gain access to your network when, in all actuality, what happened was someone used a weak fucking password and someone was able to gain access to a system because no one took the time to to set a nice strong password with numbers and uppercase letters and crazy fucking symbols and yeah that shit's hard to remember but that's what password managers are before i think we've actually talked about that before on project challenge i'm not going to stay on my soapbox for much longer but mix your fucking passwords up the big news in uh, that arena right now is something called the anti-public combo list it's exactly what it sounds like it's a list that's been compiled from a bunch of different sources from like the home depot hack and the fucking target hack and all the ones you've heard about, every website, a, a couple of banks, uh, Sony. Anytime anyone's lost data, they take it and they stick it in this combo list and it starts to amass over time. There's over 1 billion accounts that are in this list. I got an email from uh, Have I Been Pwned, which is a, a service that you can sign up for so that if your email address shows up in one of these exploits, it emails you and says, Hey, motherfucker, guess what? You've been pwned. Someone's got access to this account. A lot of people tend to use the same password for all kinds of different things, too. This is probably the biggest mistake that you can make besides using a weak password or clicking on something that you don't know where it came from. Public combo list means someone out there, and people share these files freely among themselves. I mean, I could log on to the Pirate Bay right now and download this fucking thing. But they'll find Eric G. Hollis to use this password on his Spotify account. And then they'll take that same username and password... And they'll start hitting every site that they can think of, every bank, every email service until they start finding matches. Because if you've ever used the same email address and password on another site, eventually they're going to find their way into that one too. That's pretty much the end of my rant. It's important. It, it is. I feel bad that I'm just sitting here talking and you're just sitting there nodding your head. You've got to know someone that's been affected by something like this though, I imagine. Got a story? I've been a victim of identity theft myself four separate times. I catch it quick enough. Because I'm always on top of my, uh, not on top of my shit, and definitely not on top of my shit, I'm not even going to say it. All my passwords are different. Don't try to hack me, you fucks. But anyway, I'm on top of my accounts. Like, I always know kind of what's going on. But no, it's happened to me. I've never lost anything, really, except time. And it's been frustrating as shit. But I have had friends that have lost some shit. No, I need to listen to you more, man. I'm just as guilty as all these other people. I mean, I don't make the complex passwords mistake. That's not the problem. But just changing them every couple, uh, every month or so, I think is important. And, and using uh, the authenticator that you set me up with, that's key. Yeah, and makes a huge difference. It may not be 100% foolproof because absolutely nothing is. But oftentimes, if you just make it inconvenient for these little script kitties that are trying to get into your bank account, they'll fucking pass your account up and move on to the next one that is easy to get into. So, you know, sucks to be that next guy on the list, but at least it wasn't you. What I will do, rather than keep talking about that, is put a lot of information in the show notes uh, for people that are interested. And um, I would extend an open invitation to anyone who hears this. If you have questions about this shit, contact me directly. I'd be more than happy to talk to you about it. It's something that I really feel passionately about that I need to spread the word on this because, you know, I just can't tolerate the idea that I could do something about it and didn't. Well, what you did do this past weekend, though, is you got me set up with a retro pie. And this kind of goes on the same wavelength here, but good God, how much fun did I have with that thing Saturday night? I was exhausted. I was dead beat after a day of podcasting 
and we went and saw Guardians, and then we podcasted after we got back, and I still stayed up and drank beer and played the Retro Pie for, what, two hours? Loving it. So thank you very much for that. And for those of you that don't know what a Retro Pie is, basically every NES game, every Genesis game, every SNES game is what I have loaded up on there now. You can get anything, though, up until the fifth generation, Doug, sixth generation of consoles. With the current build of RetroPie firmware that runs on the Raspberry Pis, and I have to imagine that's really just the, the tip of the iceberg. The reason I grabbed that one is because it's so dead simple. And yeah, we are going to hang out more in the uh, shade of the, the underbelly of the internet here. Although this isn't anything that I would consider too nefarious. At the end of the day, we did play some games that we didn't straight up pay for. I think that's really the issue that I wanted to tackle with you today because, like you said, we had a lot of fucking fun. And we played some games that you just fucking cannot get anywhere else. It's really easy to go out and grab a fucking torrent that's got literally every NES game ever made. How bad do you feel when you fire up a title that you know Nintendo still owns the rights to but is never going to fucking let you play legitimately? I don't feel bad, and... You know me, man. Up until Apple Music, I paid for all my music. I don't really rip movies. I still pay to rent movies. But a lot of these titles we played, number one, unavailable. Number two, if are available, if I wanted to buy the cartridge and play it on the NES, $100, $200 for some of them, fuck that. I don't feel bad at all. Is anyone really clamoring to play all the titles we were playing on Saturday night? Or are we just doing that because it comes from our youth? I mean, there's not kids out there right now like, oh my god, I can't wait to play some 8-bit NES, right? I would have to think with the enduring popularity of some of these titles, like uh, Blaster Master was a good example. Did I fuck it up? Is it Master Blaster? (laughs) No, it's Blaster Master. (laughs) always fuck it up. It's because of fucking uh, kid video. It's keep me We should talking. do a whole episode about... <laughs> it's keep me moving out. <laughs> we should do a kid video, Kids Incorporated episode and just call it kid shit. I watched the shit out of some kid video, though. You liked that shit more than I did. I, I was more of a Kids Incorporated fan. Yeah. Well, we both had shitty tastes, I think, is the moral of that story. But Don't know how much of that has changed. Back to this topic... I don't know if it's young people or if it's just people our age that at least have an interest in this, but you have to think that the fact that someone took the time to assemble a Pi-specific firmware that emulated... God, it's not just the NES and the SNES, Eric. It's every platform that you can think of. The fucking Jaguar, the Amiga, Coleco, Intellivision, all of that shit. Every fucking Atari game. We have to get the Neo Geo games out. And see, that's the thing. Some of those games on Neo Geo go for $500, $600. And to be fair to Nintendo, to go back to one of your earlier points, you know what we were playing Saturday night? We were playing the most obscure shit. Like, as soon as a title would stick out to one of us, that's what we picked. We weren't playing Super Mario Brothers. We weren't fucking playing Mega Man. We were playing Scoon or whatever the fuck that bullshit was. <laughs> we, we, we were playing the, like, the games we had never heard of. The superhero titles Blizzard made that we had no clue. So we got some learning out of that experience, too. I have spent more money on video games than anything else in my life, except maybe beer. And no, I don't even think that's close. I think I've spent more money on video games. I've given my loot, man. If I can't play some NES games for free, and it took a little bit of ingenuity, to be fair, but we could do a whole episode about how to do it in, what, 
10 minutes, 15 minutes after you order the pieces. Sure. Oh, yeah. It's really not that difficult. Loving the retro pie. I mean, that's going to be the new go-to system after I've had some alcohol. You've got people over. Hey, do you like NES? Yeah, I love it. Here's every NES game. Sit down. Let's play. Again, you haven't even scratched the surface of it yet. Wait till you start seeing some of that more obscure shit. I think that's where the value really comes from. I mean, it's one thing to bilk Nintendo out of a couple of dollars, but what about these other platforms that don't exist anymore? And maybe someone somewhere owns the rights to them, but they will never fucking see the light of day again, ever. You could almost argue that the people who are maintaining these ROM collections are like the curators of an art form, and they're the only reason it's not fucking dead. I could not agree with your sentiment more. In fact, when I had to write a tagline for my social media profile, the first line in it, I think, is video game historian. And as a video game historian, Doug, I have to have this shit. I want to play these titles. I'm so intrigued. Even if they suck, man, it is a piece of history. And it's a piece of history I don't want to lose. Like so many films we've lost, so many albums and records that are gone. We need to keep all of this. We need to keep it all, man. Even if it sucks, it's still good. Even if it sucks, it meant something to someone at some point and could have been responsible for either a great story or the influence of something else great that we loved. It really kind of concerned me when I read that the Nintendo Switch, which is Nintendo's brand new console, didn't even ship with an emulator. Because isn't that something that the, the Wii and the U both had was the ability to run those old games? They did, and of course Nintendo wanted you to pay for it, but the pricing was fairly reasonable. I mean, nothing compares to 700 games for essentially free, but they'd have the old NES titles for 5 bucks. SNES was 10 maybe an N64 title I think would be like 15 or 20 But yeah, nothing on the Switch. In fact, not trying to call him out here because he's been a busy guy, but yeah, I've seen a Nintendo Switch not even move. And I haven't had the desire to play it either because of, you know, Horizon... Forza Hot Wheels now. I've had plenty of stuff to play on the other two consoles. We've seen music make a successful transition. Success is hard to pin down there because I still think they need to start paying the artists more. But the technology part they got down, movies and TV are going to this model of a subscription-based kind of all-you-can-consume. I think it's only a matter of time before Xbox, Sony, Nintendo get on that fucking bandwagon and let you start playing all all their fucking titles for a fixed amount per month. What would something like that be worth to you? Sony kind of has that now, don't they? Do they? And actually, Microsoft, I just played in a preview program, and it's called like Microsoft Game Pass or Sony Game Pass. I think it's 20 bucks a month, maybe 10. And yeah, you do have an access to a pretty chunky library of like PS2, PS1, and PS3 titles. Xbox was uh, all 360 stuff. It's got to just be those 360 titles that they've done the uh, the compatibility update on, right? Like those 300 or so? I don't think you're getting anything more than that. That surprises me because at some point, the same fate faces all of those original Xbox and Xbox 360 title. I think someone's going to take them all and stick them in a format that's easy to distribute. And people are just going to steal that shit because they either can't get the games they want or the service pricing hasn't quite caught up to where it should be yet. I think Microsoft and Sony will probably do maybe a little bit better job of protecting their libraries. I mean, some of those games we were playing back on the NES, dude, those had never seen the light of day. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously they have because they're on an emulator, but those things were never on the store shelves. No way. 
some of the titles we played. And yet they found their way online, which is one of the best things about the internet. Eventually, somewhere, somehow, a copy of it will end up online. Um, hopefully that does not include a particular movie that you and Tyler and I were discussing recently. <laughs> I can't believe you brought it up again on your own show. I wasn't really specific there. I rarely, Doug, write stuff down. (laughs) That got written down. (laughs) Well, I'm pretty confident, but obviously I can't be certain. Yeah, the games may have sucked, but someone thought it was important enough to grab the cartridge, plug it in, rip the ROM, and make it available to everyone else. And you could argue also that some of those games, maybe which just sucked back then, because think about what video games used to mean to people and what they mean now. Back when those games came out, video games were something that nerds did, not everyone. Um, Now, much like the rest of the culture that they've appropriated from our youth, everyone's a fucking gamer and uh, all that shit's cool. And you have to wonder what a title that got neglected 20, maybe even 30 years ago, how it would perform if released to the public these days uh, with a price tag. That was deep, man. And it's true. (laughs) <laughs> it, was, it was that was deep uh, it's very true because gamers were always nerds shit I'm still one of the biggest nerds ever but I guess I loved it before everyone else did does that make me a hipster nerd I don't even know but a lot more people play nowadays I think because the platform of entertainment was much more appealing and our generation grew up that's the other thing yeah we like TV but I mean were you watching Dallas or were you playing fucking Astro Smash? That's, I mean, that was our generation. We had that option. And I think now that that option's on the table, I mean, think about it. Not for yourself, but maybe for me. If you do movies, television, music, and video games on like a pie chart, video games for me would probably be half. Maybe more than half. That's how I'm entertained. And I think there's a lot of people in my age bracket and also younger than me that share the same passion. I don't care why you play. If you're having fun and you're not being an asshole, enjoy the shit out of it. It's wonderful. Well, hopefully Nintendo gets their shit together pretty soon and and gives us the ability to at least play the popular titles and B titles. I don't think we need all. What did you say? It was like 800 and some odd original NES titles. I should know that number. There's 600 and something. But even the file you and I were playing off of, there were 700 plus. Well, shit, there was a Sonic game that definitely was a homebrew. (laughs) How many Sega titles did we see that people had taken the time to port over to NES? Not only the awesome Sega titles, but how many great European and Japanese-only titles did we get to play? That's the appeal for me, too. I'm never going to be able to afford to buy some of those cartridges, but I get to see the game, and I think that's great, right? I mean, is there anything wrong with that? I mean, are we stealing, I guess? That's the line that I think I've drawn in my mind is, am I taking money out of someone's pocket? Because in many cases, the answer is no. There's no pocket to have money taken out of. No one is making that content available. They're not losing a sale because I I went and stole it. I think you're right. I think if we fired up, you know, the fucking Legend of Zelda or Super Mario Brothers 3, then it becomes a gray area where it's like, well, there's a legitimate way to get that. And that's probably ethically what we should be doing. But I don't think there's a, a firm answer. I think it depends on what you're doing, why you're doing it, and whose cost does it come at. To be fair right now, you're either paying Nintendo 20 bucks, 10 bucks for SMB3, or you're buying it off eBay in cartridge format for 20 bucks. But if I have the cartridge already, am I allowed to play it off an emulator? I think the Digital Copyright Millennium Act suggested that you were allowed to make copies for your own use. And what's the difference between 
plugging a cartridge in and ripping the ROM yourself to play it versus uh, downloading something that someone has already taken the time to do. Well, then 30 of those games we had out of the 700, we were legit, bro. <laughs> I'll take that to court. I probably had another 15 or so covered. Yeah, you've got a you've got a good NES collection. So we I, we we've spent our money, man. I don't think at any trial of our, our peers, no peers would convict us. <laughs> we paid our money. If we were ever tried for something like this, I don't think it would be our peers that were the ones passing judgment. But we just got to make sure we never get caught. <laughs> so the next thing we need to install in your pie is a fucking uh, <laughs> a burn mechanism where you utter the secret passphrase. Mech like a high, mech a hiney ho, and it bursts into flames. That is a great idea. I just don't want to test it with you. <laughs> but it's a great idea. Does that phrase come up a lot in casual conversation between us? Mech like a high, mech a hiney ho? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's true. We better use something different. <laughs> We'd have to go with a Rodney Dangerfield quote. Oh, yeah. You're totally safe there when it comes to me. See? Yeah, but then you get some of your other Wookiee buddies over and poof, that goes your pie. I'd have to really, with my group of friends, I'm sure you'd have to do this too, really have to think about, okay, what's something that no one is ever going to say? Ever. Then it gets really interesting and easily forgettable, unfortunately. You know, while we're talking about games and the Switch in particular, I was reading up on it today. It sounds like the Switch launch is widely considered to be a success. What Nintendo launch hasn't been? I don't know. I guess it depends on what you compare it to. Like, the U pretty much sucked when compared to the Wii, right? I think so. I don't think there's a lot of games out right now. I think everyone's done with Zelda, and they're waiting for Mario to come out this Christmas. People are fucking loving Mario Kart 8. Is it called Deluxe? Deluxe. And they added a lot of great features to it. I hear it's really worth playing. If I had a Switch, I'd be picking it up. I'm a big Mario Kart fan. I hear it's great. So that's good Nintendo did that. Too bad it wasn't Mario Kart 9. Yeah. I thought for sure... I mean, leading with Zelda, I figured they'd have a better plan besides Mario at Christmas. Eric, they're saying that Cart 8 should be outselling Zelda within the next three to four weeks. It is that popular. And the reason people love it is the reasons that they love the Switch hardware. There's a long list of things that are are wrong with the, the firmware and the software and the platform. But people love being able to take a full console experience out to wherever they fucking happen to be and handing a controller to someone, and what other game can you think of that is more friendly to that kind of setup than Kart? I'm surprised that I haven't seen more people out playing it. It, I guess it came out, what, last weekend? No, two weekends ago. Two Fridays ago. Nice. Right? I don't even know what day it is. Yeah, two two Fridays ago. (laughs) She had a Carl Jr. burger. I wanted a piece. I'm always rooting for Nintendo. I'm also pointing out some mistakes I think they make that they don't need to, but I'm always rooting for them. That's where I started becoming a gamer. I mean, granted, I was around during the Intellivision Atari Coleco days, but that 8-bit Nintendo, I mean, that Zelda changes things, in my opinion. That console changed things. And that's why I want to play the shitty titles I I wasn't going to have my mom shell out $50 for back in the day on the emulator. Yeah, I want to try some of that stuff, man. It it intrigues me. I wish they had, like, uh, I know you can get the cover art. Can you get the instruction booklets? And look through those motherfuckers? That's a good question. I don't know that you can do that on the RetroPie, but I'm sure, again, that uh, some dedicated gamers with a lot of fucking time on their hands and hearts of gold have put time into starting to amass that shit. So, like I said, good question. I will figure that out and I will let you know. Well, you know, I got a uh, 
a really early Christmas present. Yesterday, I know you're not really into the show, but Psych is coming back in December with Psych the Movie. I called it a couple years ago that they would do it. I was imagining more of a theatrical film. It's going to be on USA. James Roday and Steve Franks are writing it. Uh, Steve Franks is directing it. The entire cast is back together. I know, again, you're not into it, but I'm excited that I'm going to get to see a little bit more Psych. We should qualify that statement. I'm not as into it as you are, but I had barely got the first season done when it disappeared from every fucking streaming platform. You can't get it on Netflix. You can't get it on Prime. You can't even get it on fucking USA's app. And I haven't been able to find torrents of it anywhere. If I wanted to watch it at this point, I pretty much got to go online and buy the discs. I'm sorry. I like the show. I was really, you know, starting to develop an appreciation for it, but I'm not going to fucking buy the physical media for Psych. Luckily, my parents did, and I think we can solve your psych problem. I can't believe that USA's app doesn't have it on there. Yeah, they are following fucking Nintendo's business model, apparently, with, again, forcing me into a situation. I think this is like a theme tonight, where I have to go and look for ways to steal this shit. Because, let's be honest, even if I borrowed your parents' DVDs and and ripped them so that I could watch them myself, that's fucking stealing. That's pirating. Don't tell your parents that, though, because then they won't let me do it. (laughs) They will, just so we can have... I want all the uh, the great audio commentary that I don't get. Because I also... I want to buy the show, and I will buy the show. But Blu-ray or better right. at this point. I'm not going to buy DVDs yeah, now. Because who buys fucking DVDs? I mean, it's not even high definition. Exactly. I would pay for it, though. And I have a season on DVD, and it doesn't look terrible. But yeah, Blu-ray or better. And maybe with the interest that's being drummed up for... Is that what it's called? Psych the Movie? Psych the movie. USA will rethink its position on making that content available. I mean, I get it on Netflix and Prime. They keep their content rotating and contracts expire, etc. I don't give a fuck, but fucking let me find it somewhere. There's no reason why USA can't have a platform that has every fucking episode of every TV show that they've ever aired available for whatever. Five, ten bucks a month or, you know, if you have a cable or satellite subscription, you get access to it for free. Just like fucking HBO and all the other big networks are doing. Again, I'm I'm surprised USA does not have that. Yeah, me too. When's Psych the Movie supposed to be out? December. December. Okay, so this year. Oh, so when you said early this Christmas year. present, you, you were being literal. I was really trying to really send that home, <laughs> just like Santa is going to send my Psych present right down my chimney. Honestly, man, this is going to sound like blasphemy on this podcast. I'm more excited about Psych the Movie than I am about Star Wars. Because <laughs> I know Psych the Movie is going to be good. Eric, that doesn't sound like blasphemy just on this podcast. That's straight up fucking blasphemy. Sorry, Star Wars has the potential to suck. I'm pretty sure Psych the Movie is beyond that point now. It's going to be good. How can you say that? I know who's writing it. I know they wouldn't be coming back if it wasn't a quality two hours. I know the jokes are going to be spot on like they always are. Well, I think you need to tell that to the guys from Entourage. Because that same endeavor did not go so well. That's a good point. So maybe Psych the Movie will suck, but maybe Star Wars will suck. That's true. We've seen a couple shitty Star Wars movies. I have faith in Ryan Johnson, though. I'm hoping that The Last Jedi is great. My point was, we won't know until we get it. I hope Psych is fucking awesome, too. Mostly for your sake. And because I, I want it to be successful so I can continue to watch the show. You told me I had just made it through the difficult season and shit was just about to get good and then poof, gone. Doesn't every show have kind of that period? Sure. I mean, 
Parks and Rec is a prime example. The first season, the Parks and Rec is almost painful. But once you get into the meat of that show, when the characters start getting developed, it's great. You have to, TV takes a little time. It does. There's plenty of series that I love that the first two, sometimes three seasons fucking suck. See, I would never make it that far, but. <laughs> well, I mean, it's only, you, you don't realize how bad it sucks until you the show gets really good. And then you look back and you're like, oh my God, look how far they've come. I mean, it was still good enough to keep you watching, but then it gets like next level better. And it doesn't get there without going through those first three shitty seasons. But by comparison, they're definitely shitty. Yeah. And there's some shows too that hit it out of the park from like the get go community, Arrested Development, I would say, like, have very solid first seasons. I would also say that those are two examples of shows where the people that were working on them had been working together for a while, and that was, like, the fruit of several years' effort in some other programs that that came together in a new one. Even Archer hits the ground running from the get-go. and Archer's a direct result of uh, a lot of time spent between actors and writers in Arrested Development. And I like that, but I like the shows that take a little bit of time to simmer because I think if they're really good, when you do go back to those first couple episodes, you appreciate it a little bit more. Agreed. I'm going to be unpopular opinion guy tonight. I'm not even a big fan of Blade Runner, so I really don't give a shit about Blade Runner 2049. Not a big fan of the original at all. Not at I all. Think that, that kind of surprises me because this is one that I think took something like Star Wars and then turned it into an adult version, a gritty, deep, drama-driven, character-driven uh, to a T, well-written, well-directed, well-acted, so much to love. I think that would be right up your alley. What's your beef with the original Blade Runner movie? No beef, I guess, just I tried to watch it as a kid and I couldn't get into it. I've tried watching it a couple times since then. I think I finished it all the way through once. It just doesn't do it for me. It's kind of like Dune. Oh my god, dude. You don't like Dune either? No. It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. It is by the juice of Safu, the thoughts acquire speed, the lips acquire stain, the stains become a warning. It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. Dude, Dune. Dune! Fucking Kwisatz Haderach. The fucking shout out Mapes. Duke Leto Atreides. Fucking Sting! <laughs> from the police right yes that's sting just making sure it wasn't the wrestler <laughs> oh well then i guess some of my questions that i had for you uh might not generate that much material for us i am excited about blade runner 2049 and i'm especially excited after watching the trailer did you make it that far did you at least watch the trailer i watched half of it on my phone did you think, based on what you saw, the visuals were the least bit compelling? The context that I asked in is how well they seem to match the original film. It did look similar. I will revisit the original film before I go see 2049. I'll see it. I mean, but I went and saw Tron Legacy, too. You know, that's that's me. I'm going to go see it. My big question is there are two different cuts of the original Blade Runner which has caused all kinds of fucking controversy amongst the fans because, I don't know, what the fuck else do fans do but invent reasons to be controversial? The version that they released in the theater ended with Deckard, which is the Harrison Ford character, and Rachel, who is the replicant character played by Sean Sean Young, who was also in Dune, basically driving off into the sunset. They referred to it as the happy ending. Years later, Ridley Scott released the director's cut, In this version, there's a couple of different 
scenes in the movie that are dream sequences by the Deckard character in which there's a unicorn. In the movie, there's an origami unicorn um, that he comes across at some point. And the implication is that these replicants are given implanted memories. It basically leaves you with the impression that Deckard has been a replicant all along. Something that is not even hinted at in the original cut. It's got a completely different ending, too. The two characters, Rachel and Deckard, get into an elevator. The doors close. Fucking fade to black. That's the end of the movie. Um, Not only that, but they removed all of the Harrison Ford voiceover that was present in the original cut. Um, I can't tell you which one I like better because I like both of them for, for different reasons. But they're two different movies. When you make a sequel, which one are you making the fucking sequel to? I don't know. And you brought up a very good point that I think I've seen both. I think I started with the first Blade Runner, and then I think I finished with the director's cut. So maybe that's why I'm confused. But you can't tell me which one to pick. Like, if I was going to watch one tonight when we get done, which one should I watch? When in doubt, go with the director's cut, right? That's the fucking original vision of his movie. That's the story he wanted to tell before fucking Hollywood literally made him slap a happy ending on it. I mean, it's a fucking cliche these days, but... They told him he had to fucking give it a different ending so that it wouldn't be so fucking depressing, I guess. I don't know. I got to go with director's cut. They're both good. I have a lot of sentimental attachment to the original because that's the one I saw so many times. And then I saw the director's cut and I realized, holy shit, just like Superman 2 made it a completely different movie. But I think I like the original Superman 2 better than the Donner. Oh my God, really? That surprises me too, Eric. You're full of surprises tonight because... I know it's hard to watch because some of the scenes, they literally look like they picked them up off the cutting room floor and then wiped their ass with them and then cut them back into the movie. That's my first problem with it. You nailed that on the head. Well, and I'm sure if they could have done it better, they would have. I think they were working with what they had, but the story's completely different. I mean, it tells such a, what I feel to be a a deeper, more human story. And that scene with Kal-El reaching towards the hologram of the Marlon Brando Jor-El basically fucking crying being affected like a human would be which we don't get to see in any superman movie so fucking good i love it and i love the director's cut of blade runner you don't think we got to see superman as a human in batman versus superman when he climbed into the bathtub with his shoes on that's something a dipshit human would do i know i was talking about good superman movies (laughs) okay i'm glad you're finally willing to admit that batman versus superman is a giant piece of shit again not what i said that movie gets worse don't don't. that movie gets worse the more you watch it i i disagree with that and i do think and we've talked about this that the ultimate cut salvaged somewhat i think it gives you a clearer picture of the story that was trying to be told Um, for better or for worse it, it feels like a more cohesive movie regardless of whether it's a good movie or not so have you seen this week's most downloaded movie i have not ghost in the shell not the original anime. Have you seen the ScarJo version? <laughs> ScarJo. No, I've not. And it's been years since I've seen the original version. Me too. Probably college. Yeah. Right around the More- same time that Heavy Metal was reissued, you could actually watch it again. Yeah. And I got introduced to a lot of stuff in college, and anime was one of those things, and I didn't really like it. Small tastes. I can name a couple anime I like, but it's not really my bag. And I don't really think it's yours either. It really isn't. I went through a very brief anime phase. A lot of it I actually really like. I remember telling myself, you do not have enough bandwidth with your geek interest to be able to delve into something like anime because it's very deep. It's very nuanced. So much of it is good. But I think anime geeks have to devote a certain portion of their time just to being good anime geeks. 
I don't have fucking time for that. I'm too busy being a geek in other arenas. We should do a whole episode about the arena of geekdom because there's a lot of subsets and subcultures and we don't really roll with each other. You know what? And I've talked to a lot of anime geeks that claim to be gamers, but all they play is fucking anime games. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Sorry, you caught me with my mouth full. I thought you were going to rant for a little while there. Oh, I should have, shouldn't I? <laughs> I've just never been into it. I love Cowboy Bebop. I'm sure you've seen that, haven't you? I have, and that's because it was very easy for me to watch, and there was people that I worked with that were watching it, and we could talk about it. And great music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's what really turned me on to Bebop. I like a show that no one's ever heard of called Tank Police. You're right. I've never heard of it. And when we were kids, before we would drive to the original Project Challenge, I would get up a half hour early so I could watch Robotech. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. I remember Robotech. That was... I think we both watched it for a little while. Literally the only anime that you could watch probably for like a a five to ten year span in our little redneck corner of Texas. Yeah, I bought the first uh, two seasons on on DVD. Just when when I'm feeling nostalgic... I throw that in, but every day before fifth grade and sixth grade, got up early to watch Robotech. You remember Todd or Jada? Fuck yeah, I do. And his uh, older brother, which would, he'd either be really cool and hang out with us, or he'd beat us up. But didn't he have like... Chris and what was the other brother? It was Chris or Jada and... Oh shit, you remember all their names. See, that's what Eric brings to the table. His younger sister was Kendra. There was a girl? Yeah, there was a girl or Jada. And these are the blonde kids, right? But yeah, they had a ton. Like, they had a role-playing room upstairs. Yeah, with Robotech. or It was like a mech-based game. Battletech. Battletech. Those two things had nothing to do with one another? Actually, no. <laughs> but I know that's surprising, but they don't. I mean, it's robots that fight shit. But no, Robotech and Battletech are two completely different things. God, Eric, it's funny. This memory I have surfaces every once in a while, and it's of me trying to explain to my dad why the Robotech show is good. He's standing there doing the dishes. I'm like, Dad, it's this cartoon, but the cartoons look like people, and they do like people things. They say like, huh, what? Uh, um, uh, and you know, and they fuck up, and they, and they don't <laughs> deliver like pure polished dialogue. I'm sure I didn't use the words pure and polished, but I was trying to explain to him that what made Robotech so good is that it was actually less good when you listen to like the delivery because they just left those kinds of artifacts in there of people tripping up in their speech and whatnot. And my dad just being completely fucking disinterested. And he kind of looks over his shoulder at me just like, really? I think it's one of those traumatic memories from my youth. And that's why I revisit it ever so often. But it's firmly attached to Robotech and my daddy issues. I don't even know how I follow that. (laughs) I have great memories of Robotech. I might throw in some Robotech tonight. I love that show. And it was serialized, which for me at the time was how many serialized shows did you watch when we were 10 years old? Good serialized we 10, shows. 10, 11? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There weren't a lot. The sitcoms weren't really serialized, were they? They would. Robotech is start to finish. Like each episode, shit happens. Yeah. There were arcs, but there wasn't like a season arc. The Seavers went to Hawaii for a couple episodes, but I mean, that's that's the extent of the continuity besides the characters getting older, correct? Uh, Swept away. You remember that? It's the only time the Growing Pains theme changed for two episodes. I do remember that. I was trying to think there was another trip that they took, and I can't remember where it was, and I might just be fucking overriding it with... Brady Bunch memories now that I think about it because I don't think the Seavers ever went to the Grand Canyon. (laughs) No, I don't think they did, did they? (laughs) Uh, No, but the Bradys did. And also Hawaii. 
Right. I think that's where I got tripped up there. Oh my God, dude. We're so fucking off topic. I don't want to talk about Xander Cage because you've already told all the good jokes that we can pull out of that one. Nice to see Logan up there in the top three. What's Gifted? That's the only one I didn't know. Gifted. It's got Captain America in it. Frank, a single man raising his child niece prodigy, Mary, is drawn into a custody battle with his mother. Wow. Let's go watch that right now. It is the highest rated movie on this list besides Logan. Oh, and Get Out. God, how is Get Out still on this list? Actually, I don't know what Get Out is. What is Get Out? Get Out is that horror movie made by uh, Jordan Peele. Oh, okay. That's right. Is it Jordan Peele or Keegan-Michael Key? It's Jordan, right? I don't know, man. It's racist just asking that question. It's really not. I just get the two of them confused. I think it's Jordan Peele, but I heard it's great. I haven't seen it yet. It's the short one. I know that. That's Jordan. Okay. I'm going to take your word for it because I can't remember which name. Key is the tall one, right? Uh, We're going to have to come up with... uh... This this is like us fucking up Laurel and Hardy. I mean... (laughs) I think both of them would appreciate you saying that, but I'm going to have to come up with some kind of mnemonic to keep the, the two of those straight. I hear it's an amazing horror movie. Bradley Whitford plays like the evil white father. He never got his Trisket crackers. He's still pissed. <laughs> so I'll watch it. Shit, we should watch that one together. We should do Split and Get Out. We'll do a double feature next time we have. What's Oh, okay. So Split is the one that we were talking about last episode. That is the... Um, last episode that didn't air yet. <laughs> that's the Charles X somehow yes. tied into Unbreakable? Yes. Okay. In fact, it was, it was your topic. Yeah. I kind of (laughs) remember. Okay, yeah. Split, get out, double feature. We'll get it on the calendar for that one thing. And when we're not pulling stuff out of the wrinkly old sack, because I've got a lot of good movies we can do there. I think we've already talked about Police Academy Marathon. Nothing else really on this list that I want to talk about. We both know what Fifty Shades Darker and Fate of the Furious is. What the fuck is The Boss Baby, though? Do you know that one? Animated. A big, big kid hit this summer, I read. Oh, okay. Yeah, that looks like garbage. Well, luckily, being a grandfather, you probably don't have to watch that show. Oh my god, no. Dude, my kids have such good taste now. I love it. Oh, your kids send me recommendations on shit that I like. That's how I can tell you're a good parent. What do we need to plug this week on the way out? Uh, Cat for Kids, Role Plan. What do we have to plug this week? I'm so exhausted after a weekend at Free Comic Book Day. I'm still recovering. I think we should make it a point to talk about Capra Kids every episode and remind people that they can use Amazon Smile to make some kind of difference, even if they're not able to donate outright. That's one of those things that repetition will have some kind of effect over time. So capforkids.org, sign up for Amazon Smile, designate Capra Kids as your receiving charity. Yeah, set that shit up. It doesn't take long, right, Doug? How long does it take? It takes seconds. Even if your passwords are all the same, it'll take you two minutes. Yeah, the fact that I know Eric did this by himself and didn't ask for me or Tyler's help (laughs) is evidence of how ridiculously (laughs) fucking easy it is. I know that was a cheap shot, and there's also some truth in that. It's cheap truth. (laughs) They should have called the band that. (laughs) It doesn't take long, and it doesn't cost you any money. And next time you're at a con, next time you're hanging out with us, whatever, talk to Rebecca or Sterling five minutes about their charity... And that'll tell you everything you need to know. Doug and I would not be passionate about this if we didn't believe in what they were doing and if we didn't know that they were genuine. So Cap for Kids, Bitface is behind it. PC is behind it as well. 
if I'm going to have a charity for the rest of my life, it's going to be Cat for Kids. I mean, something like that really hits home for me. So It does. Good cause, and two of the most amazing people that I've ever met are driving it, and that makes it really easy to throw my support behind it. Okay. Uh, here at Project Challenge, we love all kinds of feedback and questions. You can find our email and Facebook details at projectchallenge.com. Follow us on Twitter at OG Challenged and drop a review for the show on iTunes or the Play Store. Huge thanks to all the listeners and supporters. And until next time, stay challenged.